Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Sometimes when the business is not growing, deals are not closing or not closing fast enough, first meeting conversion rates are low. It is not a product market fit problem, a product problem, a tools problem, or anything like that. Sometimes it's a consistency problem. Find out what that means in this episode. Welcome to the Sales Bluebird Podcast, which exists because at B2B startups, it's hard to get consistent traction and scale the sales team. Sales Bluebird gives you tips, tricks, experiences, examples, and ideas from people who know a thing or 10 about selling and building great cybersecurity companies. I am your host, Andrew Monahan, and today it is a solo episode with yours truly, and we're talking about consistency and what that really means. I'm going to use an example, so bear with me on this. Imagine that uh, you're having a group meeting or a group get-together, and the get-together was in New York, but everyone in the group and the team was based in San Francisco. And rather than just saying, hey, let's all just go there, you said, let's let's all go there, but you know, everyone make their own way. Figure out their way of getting there. Whatever you like to do to travel, whatever way you want to take this, why don't you go do that? And everyone goes off choosing their favorite way to travel from San Francisco to New York. And what happens, of course, is that you've got someone who likes to hike and they put on their boots and away they go hiking. And you got some people who are bike nuts uh, and they uh, they put the lycra on and the helmets and off they go on their bikes. You got some that are Harley nuts and they go, oh, let's, uh, let's not put our helmets on. Let's just uh, drive over there. We'll go some certain route that's there, maybe through North Dakota or South Dakota and all the hell through there, through Sturgis. You got people that like to drive and they got some fancy car. You want to drive their car. You got the frequent flyer people who've got a ton of miles. They're like, oh, I'm going to get there on my miles. I, I know how to do that. I've got United Miles out of SFO. It'll get me right into Newark and I can get there quickly and it's going to be perfect. I'll get an upgrade. That's my way of going. And what happens, of course, is everyone just picks what they're comfortable with, what their favorite way of traveling is. The trouble is that what will happen is everyone will get there at different times. Right. And they'll have different successes. Some may never get there. Right. The people that are hiking might get as far as Yosemite and go, ah, let's just hang out here for a while because it's kind of cool and it's a, it's a great view. And my feet are getting blisters. Right. And also, you know, when you're thinking about it, when you're doing the debrief afterwards, you're not really going to learn very much. Right. You're going to sit there and go, well, how did everyone get here? And what you realize is that half the team is not there. And uh, the other thing you realize is that you're know, trying to draw comparisons between someone who is on their bike versus someone who flew first class on United. It's so completely different. It's tr hard to really draw conclusions on what might be the best way to get there. 
And if you think about it, this is what happens a lot in early stage sales teams. You know, there is that element of figuring things out. There is that element of we got a small team here, might be three or four sellers, let's say. And uh, we don't have things perfect, but, you know, we've hired the right people and we're going to figure this out along the way. And they, they go there knowing they're going to learn. Right. The trouble is, is if you just stop there and say, you know, I trust these people, they'll figure it out. They bring their own things, their BYO, BYO methodology, BYO positioning, BYO qualification, BYO discovery, all the things that in their experience has worked for them in the past is what they will do. And it may well be, in fact, is often very different to the person who has the territory one territory over, right? If you've got a team, let's say you've got a leader who sort of carries a bag a little bit and you've got a, an east and a west or an east, middle and west, you know, one territory over, people are doing things completely differently. And that causes problems, right? Because what you're in in that stage is we're in the stage of learning. We're in the stage of drawing conclusions and figuring out what is the repeatable sales process we need to get to to scale this thing. And if everyone is doing their different things, then it's really hard to draw the right conclusions or interesting or meaningful conclusions to say, this is the way we need to build the playbook and go and scale this business. But let's go back to our analogy, right? What if there was someone in the team or someone you knew who actually had done that trip from SFO to United or to New York so many times, they just knew the best way to go. They actually knew to avoid flying United because that plane gets delayed or canceled all the time. And actually the way to do it, if you set it early enough, is to go on the train, right? And uh, you get to do work on the train and it's an experience because you bond and all the rest of it, right? But basically you've got someone who's got some experience of doing that, who sits the team down and said, listen, we think we've got the best way of getting there, which might be the train, let's say. Now, there's two or three different routes to get there at different speeds. You can choose what you're comfortable with. But the, the most productive and cost-effective way is that we all get the train. And then when you get to New York and you're sitting there, everyone is there. And you got comparisons, right? You can compare the seats on the, by the way, I have no idea if there's such a thing as a north route and a south route on the train. Maybe there's only one. I don't know. But you know, you're comparing the seats on the north route versus the south route. You're comparing the views, going through the Rockies on the north route, going through, I don't know, Arizona on the south route, you know, different views, all the rest of it. you got some comparison points that are common between the people who are trying to get there, right? And what you have at that point when you get to New York is the ability to learn, draw conclusions, have a shared experience, everyone's there, and you're having a good time. To make it a bit more real, I, one of um, someone I know, we'll call him Dan, mostly because that's his name. So Dan started a company a couple of years ago, three years ago, first person in the go-to-market team. And he set his stall out early on. He said, you know, we're going to do this together. We're going to have a common way of working. And one of his great skill sets is that he can sell and build a team, but also he knows how to, on the fly, almost create the process that goes with it. So when he added a new team member on, there were some basic foundational tools already in place that had been iterated on again and again. And uh, that person walking in wasn't met with blank stares or, hey, let's just go and chat about you know how to sell for a while, right? There was actually some frameworks and some tools in place. And, you know, and Dan scaled that team from three at the start, or well, it was him at the start, and then he added a couple of reps pretty quickly up to 30 inside 18 months, right? So there are ways to do this, is the good news, right? You don't need to lose the spirit of experimentation and the idea that you are trying to figure things out as you go along. 
by being a startup, right? You don't have to throw it all out and just let chaos reign. There are ways to bring some order to the chaos. And I've got five ways for you to think about about how to do that if you're facing this problem right now. The first one is I would invest right now if you're in this boat in a conversation intelligence tool. This is the gongs, the chorus. I think Sales Loft have one in their tool. I'm sure there's a whole bunch now, right? So why so early, right? So I think that the common view is conversation intelligence tools are to coach reps, right? And sure, they're good at that. But what it gives you in early stage startup is it gives you the ability to go back and listen carefully to what was said by both the selling team, but also the prospect team. You know, figure out, you know, we said this, that was our new way of describing what we do. How did it hit home across all the calls last week? And you go in quickly to that point in the conversation. Let's say you're a terrible messaging company and you, your phrase was, I don't know, we, we do encryption AI, let's say, I don't know, making that up. You can go in and search for every time in the last week there was a call where encryption AI was sad. Look at that snippet and see what the prospect did or said afterwards, right? So in terms of analyzing what's working, not working across multiple calls, thinking about you know, snippeting requests from prospects and giving it to the, the product team to say, you know, we had this request come through, uh, you know, give us your advice on whether it's something we want to do or not do or how to handle this question if it comes up again if we're not going to do it. This is uh, it's so valuable. And I think the temptation is to push off the investment in CI. I would do it right at the start. I would get in there as early as you can possibly afford to do it. And they're not expensive to do. And in fact, if you're going to invest in something like SalesLoft, you, you get one with it. So there's no reason not to do that. The second thing I would do is kind of like I was saying with Dan, build some common frameworks. You know, you don't need to go to all degrees and figure out the 15 different templates you need to build about all the different sales situations you get into. But there's some foundations, right? There's got to be a way you describe in a common manner what the company does, what the product does, the vision. There's got to be a way to do discovery that is broadly the same across everyone in the team. When someone asks you the, the uh, differentiation, you know, how are you different to you know, a major competitor, you've got a set way of doing it, right? And you build out these simple frameworks. And what you do when you do that is you get everyone on the same freeway, but it's okay to be in slightly different lanes. So what does that mean? You, know, you don't want to script things out for people, right? Any seller worth their salt will sound stupid and, and not want to sound stupid. But what you can do is say, look, here's the direction we want to go in, in this. Here's the points we need to make. Now put it in your style. Put it in your voice so that it sounds credible when you say it. Number three, and this is so important, hiring the right people. You know, you want that early team to be curious learners, right? They've got to go in there knowing we don't know everything yet. We've got an idea that this is the way to do things, but I'm perfectly able to listen to what happens and be aware of how things are going in a call to know whether our latest idea about how to describe what we do is working or not, for example. Right. So they've got to be curious learners. They'll be curious to ask a lot of questions and really get into problems with the prospect because sometimes they're not completely defined as well as we'd like and learn about what they're hearing back and be able to understand it and adapt on the fly. So hiring the right people is so important. Fourthly, I would say is internal to the team. Talk a lot, right? Literally talk a lot. This should be in this world where we're all remote or most of us are. And certainly in early stage, you, you've probably got people, you know, if you've got a couple of people, two or three people in the sales team, you'll hopefully be in different parts of the country because so you're spreading people out a little bit. But you need to engineer situations where you talk a lot. You know, it's got to be, how do we have lunch every day or the equivalent of that? 
So we talk about what we're experiencing and things that we're hearing and ideas that we have, things like that, right? And that's one of the things that, that Dan did really well. He had multiple calls each week. And he would actually, you know, on these calls, for example, you just pull up Gong, or I think he had Chorus, you pull up Chorus and say, let's listen to some calls. And, you know, he was perfectly willing to call himself out. Yeah, I screwed that up. I should have done this a different way. I actually didn't understand the nuance there. You know, it's okay to, it's basically a collaboration, the team to say, what are we doing? What are we doing well? Examples where things aren't hitting, examples where things are, and just have that ongoing discussion in the small team so that ideas can free flow between each other. And that's how good learning takes place. And what is a simple idea, you can go miles deep with uh, two or three team members as you talk about how best to do something. So talk a lot. And the fifth one and last one in the list here is constantly iterate and update the content and the frameworks, right? This is not an exercise in creating a PDF and saying, you know, we're good for a year <laughs> on some of this stuff, right? This is Google Doc versus PDF. It's the case of saying, we sort of know things right now. We don't know if they're perfect and we're willing to iterate on them. So let's keep updating what we're doing. You know, as we get more objections, let's update the objection bank, right? As we're thinking about new ways to describe what we do versus a competitor, let's uh, update that. And then let's keep notes about what we tried and what didn't work or what seemed to miss and why it missed. So you can continuously learn like that. So the concept of continuously learning and iterating on the stuff that you're creating is super important. And I remember, you know, with Dan, he'd be on these calls and he'd be, you know, on the call, he would just be live updating. Well, I think we should probably have to change this then. Let's change how we handle it to this. Let's change slide number three in the deck. So it actually says this and not that. This was a constant iteration and uh, that's what worked well. So there's five ways to try and get more consistency, even though it's early stage and you don't want to PDF these things, right? This is not a one and done. It's a, it's a process, but you need the frameworks and you need frameworks to work off to be able to iterate. The last thing you want to do is free form this and have completely different things and have no way of trying to judge whether things are working or not. You know, startup sales is chaotic, right? It's the nature of that time of a company's development. But we can't just accept the chaos and just let it rain and, and run roughshod over us. We've got to make it less chaotic and predictable. And one of the things I was thinking about, you know, in super early stages is chaos, right? You're kind of going from founder-led sales and you've got the first person coming in to be a salesperson. It's chaotic. And what you want to do as fast as possible is get to more predictable chaos, more reliable chaos. And then you get to predictability without the chaos, and that's when you can scale the team. So I wonder if that's a good way to think about the transitions there from chaos to predictable chaos to then predictable three different phases of early stage companies. And you know, when we do that, our chances of getting to predictable growth increase, and we can get there faster by using common frameworks. It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, you can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber and explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.